You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Heard enough theater people. Welcome to your program as your ticket. Coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, right in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your program as your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater in smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal in this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of My Husband and My Play at The Flash, I've met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's guests are the writing team of Life Jacket Theater's production of America is Hard to See, playwright, director, Travis Russ, and composer, Priscilla Holbrook. But first up, before I bring them on, and since it's Christmas in a few days, this weekend coming up, I thought it would be nice to mention some of the more popular Christmas songs from musicals. How fun is that? Um, One of the things that I love most about the holidays is that for a few months out of the year, things get different. Settings, food, entertainment, and musical theater does a nice job in holding up its transportative. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I think it's a word. I looked it up anyways. It's transportative end of that deal. And here are a few examples of that. So, some Christmas songs from musicals. Lovers on Christmas Eve from I Love My Wife. Green Willow Christmas from Green Willow. Pine Cones and Holly Berries from Here's Love. Christmas Child from Irm LaDuce. Christmas Day, Promises, Promises. Got another one from Promises, Promises coming up. Um, At Christmas Time, Song of Norway. Snowflakes and Sweethearts from Anya. Be a Santa from Subways Are For Sleeping. Uh, 12 Days to Christmas from She Loves Me. That's a fun musical. Hard Candy Christmas from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Had to mention that. My husband brought it to my attention because he loves all things Dolly Parton. Um, New Deal for Christmas from Annie, which I love that musical. I think it's so fun. And of course, we need a little Christmas from May. Now, the next two I have some stories about. Um, The first one I'm going to talk about is Turkey Lurkey Time from Promises, Promises. Now, I saw the Promises, Promises revival with uh, Kristen Chenoweth and Sean Hayes. And um, Turkey Lurkey Time is kind of a really fun, silly number. But uh, my story goes back to when we lived in California. There was a bar in West Hollywood called Eleven, and they have musical Mondays, is what they called it. And um, they would run, you know, just clips of of uh, various videos and songs and things like that uh, for musicals, and everyone would go and watch. Well, there was this group of theater students who would come in, and they would um, lip sync or sing along with all the numbers. 
And there was this one guy who would do the turkey lurkey time number from, I believe the musical was Camp. And um, he nailed it at each and every time. He'd get out there, he'd do the whole entire dance and the whole number. And um, I just thought that um, it was really fun to watch. And everybody loved it. Everybody requested it. And it got so like he was kind of overdoing it after a while. Like he'd get up there and like act all bored while he's doing this, you know, this number. But anyways, it's super fun. It's got a lot of energy and, um, you know, look that up. It's it's uh, Promises Promises is a, a really cute show and it's a fun number. So there's my first story. My second story uh, has to do with the song Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from Meet Me in St. Louis, which I love that movie. I think that movie has charm to spare. Um, and in... At first, I thought Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was like a really super f- nice, beautiful, cutesy song. I didn't really capture the meaning until I had like a really hard year one year. And I was laying in bed and watching TV as is one of my favorite activities. And um, it was on and uh, all of a sudden I started listening to the song and I was like, okay, what she's talking about is enjoying your holiday. Put aside all of that crap that you deal with and just enjoy your holiday for what it is that all that will be there when, when we're done. Um, and I think that that really plays into what I was saying about, um, having, uh, things be different for a, a little while, having some fun and some, 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 um, charm and festivities take over our lives for a little bit, uh, for a little bit of time to, I don't know, to just make us feel better and make things, you know, better for a little while. So, there you go. That's that's my my meaning story as I have it listed here on my um, on my script outline. So you know, I love that musical and um, I, I think that everybody should try and see it at least watch the movie. Um, but otherwise, check your local arts calendar and see if any of the shows that I did mention are running in your area. Always support your your theater community, and if not, it's okay to cheat and rent one of the movies. That's my Christmas present to you. I'm giving you permission to do that. So there you go. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Now it's time to switch gears big time and welcome my two esteemed guests. Folks, please welcome to the show the dynamite creative team of Life Jacket Theater's upcoming production of America is Hard to See, Travis Russ and Priscilla Holbrook. Hi, Travis. Hi, Priscilla. And welcome to your program is your ticket. Hi, Sean. How's Hi. it going? Thank oh, you. It's going, it's going great. <laughs> How's it going with you two? Good. A few days before Christmas. And I loved your list of songs. Did you? Yes. What's your favorite one on that list? I, I, I would have to go with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. That's a good one. That's a good one. Judy just, Garland, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But it's so sad and poignant and wonderful. Just lovely. Can I, shall, shall I do my, no. Okay, never mind. Yes. You're a, no, no. You can't, you can't bring it up and not say Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What's your favorite song? In the oh, list? I just love anything, all things Judy. So um, you would go with the same one. Well, I, I, there are several I don't know, so I'm going to check them out. Promises, promises is obviously the great song. The turkey lurkey time. Turkey no, lurkey time. No, the song promises, promises is that from promises, promises. I believe it is. The the I thought it was a Bacharach David song. It the is. Dionne Warwick. It is. Yeah. They wrote the music for that. Oh, wow. Okay. But not a Christmas song. Mine's um, yeah. Hard Candy Christmas. I uh, love that. Uh, you can't go wrong. Yeah, you and my husband. Yeah, he's he read over and he's like, where is Hard Candy Christmas? <laughs> you, it I'm surprised it wasn't on your original list. I know. I know, right? Um, it, that is a great song. And that's another one of those songs that 
talks about sort of like um, putting things aside for a while, mm-hmm. difficulty aside, mm-hmm. um, and 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 enjoying the holiday. The dark side of Christmas. Enjoy, exactly. You know, when, when they're when when the whorehouse is in danger of being shut down. Yeah, when things are yeah, when things are tough. When sure. things are, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, no, um, I, I appreciate that list. I'm, I'm excited to delve in. <laughs> to your to answer your question, I believe. Uh, as far as promises, promises goes. When I saw the revival with Sean Hayes and Kristen Chenoweth, mm. I think there were a couple of songs, uh, Baccarat songs that Baccarat songs that were not in the original that they put in. Oh, I'm wow. not sure what they were, but um, I don't. I'm familiar with the house is not a home and oh, yeah. say a little prayer. And, and, oh yeah. Anyway, so if anybody. Um, has the answer to that, you can, you know, like direct message me or something like that on the Facebook page and I'll let everyone to know. Everyone knows. So, uh, there we go. Well, thank you for sharing your your Christmas song with me. That's great. And and that lovely rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. In in the archives now. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) I think that should be its own separate recording. It really should. It really should. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Tell our audience about your new show, America is Hard to See. Sure. So uh, three years ago, I put together a research and development team, and we really wanted to do a project where we lived in a community and collected archival research and interviewed folks and really became enmeshed in that environment. And strangely enough, we stumbled upon a place called Miracle Village, and it's about an hour and a half inland from West Palm Beach, and it sits in the middle of sugarcane fields, and it it's this disu- disused uh, village that used to be housing for immigrant workers who would cut all the, the sugarcane fields by hand. And a few years ago, uh, 75 men moved in there, and they live there because they can't live near bus stops or parks or schools or playgrounds, anywhere where children congregate. And of course, they live there because they're registered sex offenders. They've done either uh, their time in prison or jail. They've gotten out. And because of uh, very strict residency laws in Florida, uh, there's really no place for them to live. And so they found this disused village and decided to make that their new, new home. And our play follows the, the stories of several men that we, we, we uh, interviewed during our time there. And Priscilla has taken a number of the transcripts and transformed them into original songs. Uh, so every lyric that you hear sung uh, is from, as a, it was something spoken during those interviews. Mm-hmm. Anything else about well, the show? Well, yeah, Travis and his team conducted in-depth interviews with uh, scores of people mm-hmm. down there and came back with a mile high of... Uh, <laughs> like literally of, thousands of pages yeah, of transcripts. Yeah, and so the whole process has been, which we can get into, of course, is is a, is a kind of a negative space sort of whittling down of all that material. And and part of that is, is, is the songs. And so it's... It's really, um, it's amazing to use real uh, verbatim text, and it's because it's so rich. So yeah, we'd go through hundreds of pages, and and I'd have a a, a pile of stuff from a particular character, i.e. that 
so that person, that real person's interview transcripts and, and, and make a song from that. So, yeah, we've made these things, but they're, they're the real people. And I think it's important to stress that uh, it's not a necessi- the play is not necessarily about uh, the crimes that these guys committed. We certainly tackle that head on. But uh, if I had to sort of summarize what the play's about, it's about their difficult journey moving forward, trying to carve out a new life for themselves and the people they meet along the way. And religion plays a huge role in this in, in this production. And it's about, about the limits of forgiveness and about uh, the role that, that faith plays in, in forgiving people. Who had this idea? <laughs> uh, I, again, so Life Check, a theater company that I, I'm the artistic director of, really what we do is we... We love to stage works that are based on real life, real people, real events, uh, real things that have happened in the world. And I love, to get sort of dorky on it, I love ethnodrama, uh, and I love transforming research into theatrical works. And the the research and development team we were interested in, uh, we, we landed on two topics, outsiders in small towns and utopias. And I felt like we needed to get a little more granular than that. And I decided to investigate Miracle Village. Like, it just sort of stumbled uh, across my my radar. And at first I was like, there's no way I'm doing a play about Miracle Village. But the more I read about it, and then and I saw a couple of the mini docs that were created about this village and the people who live there and some of the, the people who lived around it and the nearby communities and their relationship with the guys... They're just such powerful characters and individuals, and their stories are so haunting. There's no way I could say no to doing a play about that particular topic. It just, mm-hmm. it, it really gets under your skin. And uh, it's is really a, a meaningful, important conversation for us to have, I think, especially in the theatrical space. Now, you've done quite a few, it looks like, readings. Uh, uh, at, at your various and mm-hmm. many of your elements of residency, um, which is great. What are the audience's reactions to the show? And and let's let's sort of do the reaction before they see the show, and then after they see the show. What are they thinking when they go in, and then what are they thinking when mm-hmm. a, when they after they've experienced the project? You know, it's kind of interesting that 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 people uh, are are kind of surprised how uh, complicated the issue is. I think we're sort of conditioned by a number of factors to feel one way or the other about this community. And one I, way, <laughs> yeah, particularly one way, yeah. yeah. Uh, and. And I think there, I call it emotional confusion. In fact, I experienced it when I went down and I lived near the village and met these people and interviewed them and even became friends with them. And I was surprised that I became friends with some of these guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so my goal, if I had a particular goal as a playwright and director, is for the audience to have the same sort of experience that I had in terms of having many different feelings about uh, the stories that that they're hearing. And again, uh, really leaning into that confusion. Yeah. And and so far, that's 
kind of what what's happened, I, I think. I mean, in the development process, we've had... Um, We've we've staged little snippets of things, just maybe a twenty minute thing for a, at the end of a residency where we were uh, working for a little while or or something like that. Um, we've only just had our first. Well, we've had full readings of scripts along the way, but again, as I said before, it's such a whittling down process. You you're constantly saying goodbye to parts of the story that really are so rich, but you we have to decide what is the story that we want to tell and that and what's the script that you want to write and um so in these snippets along the way there's been a really um very i would call it an alive reaction to the material people people are not and this is really important to us people are not shutting down and going i don't want to have anything to do with this or or um, I don't know. It's that confusion thing. I think people are 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 moved by the complexity of it, and what I what I think is that we have all, every single darn one of us, have had um, some experience with um, whether it's. Um, uh, in, in inappropriate or f- fully criminal uh, uh, sexual violation, you know, whether it's ourselves personally or people close to us, or or just touched by the, you know, the, what's going on in the world and and not having blinders on. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, really, it's kind of a topic for everyone in a sense. And I feel like, as you said, the conversation needs to go there. Mm-hmm. And rather than being a, it's really easy to just say, it's horrible and I don't want to talk about it. We want to say it's horrible and there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to make a play that, that makes people feel things and, um, and maybe empathize with people who they might not have gotten to know. Um, or, um, you know, just see, see kind of the, uh, the gray areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the emotions range from anger to sadness and even empathy. And, and, and our goal was to actually cover that full range of emotions because that means we're having a complicated, complex conversation with the audience. Hmm. Now, when you were doing your interviews, your research, um, uh, did you give yourself any, for lack of a better word, any any rules or standards that you would follow? Really, our goal is to, because it's research-driven, we wanted to tell the, the, the true stories that we were hearing. Uh, and I know Priscilla gave herself the rule of only using text that was pulled from the transcripts mm-hmm. and in terms of a playwright I really try to be as disciplined as possible 
and not inventing any storylines and not mm-hmm. crafting any uh, fictitious events that didn't actually occur. Of course, because we're trying to make it a cogent, compelling theatrical experience, we're moving some things around in terms of the timeline. But really, we wanted to honor the, the stories that we captured during our, our time in Florida. Wow. That's great. Um, it's a very daring thing that you're doing here. It's very, very brave. I absolutely, totally respect you as artists for going in and taking this unflinching look at a segment of society that so many people um, are afraid to look at. Um, uh, and I love, I love the title of the musical because what you're doing is saying this is probably the the most difficult thing to see for anybody uh, and, and any uh, and I think any citizen of the world. It's it's some of the things that we hear about are are difficult and heinous, um, and for, for you to take this on. I just think, I, I think it's, um, I got mad respect for you. I really, really do. Um, now, you also interviewed and worked with not just uh, people who were registered sex offenders, but, but other people who deal with the town as well, right? Yeah. So talk about that yeah. a little bit. Sure. So we interviewed folks who lived in this village, and um, we also interviewed folks who uh, sort of, st- I think many of them stumbled upon having connections with the folks who live there, including a, a pastor who, uh, who this was her new pastorship in a nearby town, and she heard about this village and decided to, to go there. Uh, to meet some of the guys and, in, and, and ended up inviting them back to her church. Didn't entirely tell the, her congregation that she was inviting these guys into her church. And, of course, some, there were some problems that, 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 that play into uh, the theatrical narrative of our right. play. Uh, and, um, That's a major conflict. Major conflict, yeah, big time. <laughs> uh, that, that is at the center, or the, the crux of our show. We also um, interviewed a number of drama therapists and other folks who are the therapists who work with this uh, population to provide a, a counterbalance to, um, and to provide an analytical voice as to how how should the audience watch the show, how should they interpret these stories, um, because we we are totally aware that. The stories that are being told on the stage are from the voices of these men. And that is one truth. And there are many truths out there. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we interviewed a number of people so that the audience is hearing a number of voices in the show. Yeah, and the fact is that the, the cast is um, three men and three women. Mm-hmm. So they're, uh, yeah, with playing multiple roles mm-hmm. as well. So. so yeah, they step in and out of character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they speak directly to the audience. It's not a play where it's uh, monologue, monologue, monologue. It actually has a narrative. Uh, scenes unfold in real time, and it's and it's funny. Um, we were debating whether to call it a musical or a play with music, and we landed on a play with music. Uh, Priscilla, do you want to articulate why? Well, why I mean, it's yeah, it's a. It's sometimes it's sort of a pedantic um, distinction, I guess, but um, in some ways, but but um, 
there's something about this material and this um, treatment of the material that requires um, an approach that is, well, certainly not bells and whistles. You know, it's not it's not musical number now. You know, it's just, there are no jazz hands. In there's the show. no <laughs> in no, the tap, show. no tap shoes, um, and. Um, and it was important to me. It wasn't even important to me. It was it it was it was never a question for me that the that the music be really integrated um, in in the story. Um, that it's not a let's stop and have a song now. It's let me tell my story musically now. Or um, you know that's one that's one device that's used um but but it's pretty seamless and i and that feels right for this material it's very um stark the the production is very um bare bones in a lot of ways and um uh intimate it's an intimate evening of of theater in the sense that you are just right up there seeing real people you know played by actors um in it in a, in a in a context that's very um, n- naked in the sense of, of people's hearts are on their sleeves, and the music has to be um, it has to let you in, not sing at you, uh, if that makes any sense. It it ha- the, the, and when Travis approached me about doing music for this, you know, I've done a lot of experimental theater and a lot of you know very interesting stuff over the years where it wasn't like what but it was wow you know and uh and the reason I jumped at the chance was because of my feeling that music is kind of the unifying thing everywhere you know it's just the immediate heart opener in a sense it's when if you are trying to convey the humanity or the complexity of anything um, if, if it's delivered with, um, if it's delivered musically, it's like kind of a shortcut. You kind of clear away all the, all the stuff around it. So, so I feel like the, the play with music kind of, uh, says that in the sense that it's, 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 you know, it's not songs over now, let's clap. It's, I'm part of this. I'm part of this in the audience and it, it happens to be sung right now and it's spoken right now oh and now it's sung again and now two people are singing together and now there's a group or, or whatever so it's sort of of a piece and in terms of the style um, Priscilla has written some beautiful music um, that ranges from folk slash indie to very traditional Methodist hymns that she's reorchestrated. I saw that um, just beautiful beautiful work and um, what I love about the, the musical moments in the show is it's almost like if you think of a, a cinematic close-up, I think that's the theatrical equivalent uh, of a song, that you really get to sort of peek mm-hmm. into an actor or a character's psyche and have a true, direct connection to their story. It's kind of a fast track. It's a fast track. Um, and it's, it's really hard to despise someone when they're singing to you because they're showing you their heart. And we heard that in so many of the stories that we captured during our time in Florida. And we wanted to have the audience have that same experience. It's like putting poetry onto their lives. And we really wanted to bring that to the stage. And just as much as we're showing the lightness of these stories, 
through song, we're also showing the darkness and the very um, the bleakness of humanity and what terrible things we do to other human beings. But to me, what I find interesting about this topic is there's beauty in these people and there's also a great sadness and darkness. And it's important for me to capture both both parts on stage. Uh, well, you're both, both of you as the writers are responsible for respecting the tone of the piece. So you have to make certain decisions based on, on that, which it sounds like that's what you're doing. Um, so that's terrific. Also, I think I totally agree with you. They say when, when you can't talk anymore in, in a, a musical piece of theater, you sing. And it does allow the audience to sort of watch the proverbial head of the character crack open and see mm. inside of it. Mm. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, that's terrific. How are your actors responding to the characters that they're needing to play? Now, my husband is an actor, and he always says, the first rule of thumb for him is not to judge a character. Mm-hmm. Are they? Did they struggle with that a little bit? I think we went through that in terms of the casting process, finding actors who were open to exploring this topic. And so we were very transparent about what the show was about and the fact that they would be playing multiple characters and who they would be playing and that they would be doing direct address. We also had to find actors who could sing, who could play their own instruments, and uh, we forgot to, to mention that a lot of the, the, the reason, the main reason why we have music in the show is because a lot of the real people who are portrayed in the show are actually musicians, and that actually is a, mm. a, a, a major turning point of, of the plot, and so there's, there's, a, there's a narrative rationale for why we have the actors suddenly turn to singing. Yeah, and the whole church thing of, of choirs. There's mm-hmm. the whole issue of the different, uh, the, the choir in this village and that village and mm-hmm. their interaction with each other. So Because yeah, a lot um, of the characters are members of this choir. Exactly. So music is, is integral to the, as you say, the narrative mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, it's been really fascinating to watch these actors uh, step into playing these real people. And sometimes they've had the chance to actually meet the real people. And seeing that dynamics, it suddenly becomes very meta. Um, they've a lot of actors are really hungry for a great part, and these are great parts where they're able to show the full range of humanity. Mm. I was a little concerned, to be honest with you, as the director and the playwright, that I was a little worried about the um, what impact might it have on actors and whether they would judge these people. But we've been doing it for a long time in terms of telling dark stories on a stage. I mean, we go back to Medea, to Oedipus. Really, I mean, we go back to Greek tragedy where they were putting the darkness of humanity on stage to teach the audience a lesson. I don't know if we're interested in teaching an audience a lesson. We're interested in reflecting humanity back to the audience, which perhaps that was uh, the goal of, of those playwrights. Mm-hmm. But actors, they, really good ones... And, and we're very fortunate to have this amazing cast. Mm. Uh, they have, they're both incredible actors and incredible singers and incredible musicians. And, and just terrific people, mm-hmm. every single one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've embraced this, this process, and they're just, yeah, they're embracing it. And I think what's helped is um, the fact that we've created this community of actors because they're representing a community. So we don't treat it as a cast. We treat it as an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the fact, I think that music also helps. Music is therapy. And so 
just as much as the it's hard for the audience to judge the characters when they sing, it's really hard for the actors to judge the characters that they're playing when they sing. Uh, That's strong writing. It well, I hope I mean, the, the, I, I, we. I can't really take credit for it because it's all based they're, on transcripts. It's their words. Which perhaps also plays a role. They're so humble, these two. I love <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's an interesting, you know, it's, you really are off the hook in a certain way when, when you don't, you're not coming up with the stuff. You're just going, you're just going through with a highlighter, you know, and trying to, to sort of maintain the gist and the, the sort of through line of what a conversation was. Um, but yeah, but you get to go in with a highlighter and just, yeah. But you've put together a narrative on, out of stacks and stacks of documents. Yeah. And you as the composer have written original songs and music, and you've also reworked some Methodist hymns as well from what you were talking about. Now, did, did you, take and rework Methodist hymns or and give them new compositions um, or have you written something new along um, the lines of that? Yeah, well we actually, we delved into a lot of um, of of that sort of um, material. In the end, there are just a few snippets. Um, it's, I would say percentage-wise, it's not a huge amount of that stuff, but it comes at, at important times. And, and in terms of the Methodist hymns, yes, in terms of the hymns. So most of the music in the in the play is original. Um, with the hymns, uh, oh, and then there's one one original. There's one sort of crossover that is an original song that to me is sort of my take on I don't know a contemporary spiritual so there's one song that is sort of kind of a hybrid of it could be sung in a Methodist church but it's actually I wrote it um, based on the text it's funny that the, uh, somebody who has a background in religious music came to, to see an, an excerpt of the show and she thought it was a traditional hymn oh cool so you fooled her excellent yes excellent did you, um, not, did you not know that? no no, that's mm-hmm. that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's I'm, amazing I'm a, to hear. I'm, wow. a big, I'm a big genre freak. I love and sort of I I love sort of the formulaic quality of different genres and tapping into that in a way that is um, not sort of just throwing out a bunch of cliches, but acknowledging that we have traditions in in music and in pop music. And stuff, and so that's a huge part of my inspiration for, you know. Travis mentioned there are sort of several different kind of subgenres of what this is, and that's that was really determined by the words, by the by who I was writing for, um, and, and so there is a slightly different feel to some of the music as we go along, but hopefully it feels sort of integrated with that character and what would be their sort of subgenre in a sense and that wasn't something I thought about ahead of time oh I'm going to write a country song for that oh I'm going to write a gospel song for that person it just kind of happened and then it and then we've had a nice long process to really hone decisions like that and and sort of tweak things but uh, one interesting side note about the which I think is a lovely lovely meta thing about the um about the music is that one fantastic Methodist hymn. Um, I had a chance to work with one of the real people um, in, quote, real people. So one of the guys uh, 
in the story. One of your subjects. Yeah, yeah. Who has a background in religious music. Yeah, and and it started with a, hey, can you direct us to some wonderful Methodist hymns? Because I'm not familiar with that tradition as much as I am in more of an Anglican and sort of older church music um, tradition. So that was a little bit of a new territory for me. So we asked um, this gentleman... Uh, if, if, if he could help us there. Well, that grew into a, a, a little mini collaboration, which has been really wonderful. And he, this one piece of music is the only piece of music that it, it, uh, is not totally my arrangement. It's his arrangement. Wow. So there's a, a, a little snippet of a hymn that is actually arranged just hauntingly mm-hmm. by a real person. It sounds like from what you're telling me that the music is used um, to uh, bring in grace and hope in the piece. Uh, and, and again, I'm just making guesses at, mm. uh, based upon what I've read and what you're telling me, which I, which I think is great. I personally I think that um, tragedy without hope and grace isn't effective mm-hmm. um, and can honestly, in my opinion, make me tune out and, and make me get bored. Right. Um, so that's uh, that's great. And sorry if I can interject on, sure. on that note. Absolutely, it, it actually circles back to your previous question about did the actors judge these characters as they were playing them? And the moments where I, I, I picked up on the actors judging these characters is when they tried to sort of we call it Priscilla and I call it playing the pain of the moment, where they would impress upon their story, these character stories, a sense of pain and sadness. And actually, as, as human beings, we rarely sit in sadness. I mean, there are certainly moments, but we can't live in sadness because there's just, the, the, it's actually not interesting to watch and it actually isn't, it isn't a good survival tactic. We actually have to pull ourselves out of it. In fact, we work against sadness. Nobody yeah, we, wants to be sad. We spend a lot of time and effort and money to not deal with sadness. Mm-hmm. And so those moments where I, where I noticed the actors were playing sadness, I, I asked them if they were judging the character, if they were projecting that the character is sad about that, or are they trying to push themselves out of the sadness, if they're trying to find joy and happiness and forgiveness. And that's a much more interesting thing to play on the Mm -hmm. stage and perhaps more uh, realistic uh, and accurate of what these real people are going through. So uh, I think if there's any judgment going on in terms of the actors, it's very subtle. And and so those have been, those have been some interesting moments. Uh, Have you, have you tried to take it to a stripped down place with the actors and, um, and, and, and with the music to where they're dealing with it technically so that they don't necessarily get caught up in their own personal feelings. That makes sense. It, it, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. Um, it, sometimes when you're working with actors, I think you take it down to just the minimum of decisions that they should be uh, participating in. And in doing that, I think that it gets them out of their head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and gets it in, gets them into the head of the character. Uh, is that a technique that you're using, or am I way off base? Well, there's so much work to do, really, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's two, there's, you know, when I'm going into, I'm like, I've got to just work these songs with people and, and, and to get, and, 
uh, make musical choices. They're just there's too much work to do on the play to really stop and you know and judge. Stop and have tea right. know, about it. you know. Sure, mm-hmm. we're not we're not skimming over the uh, skimming over the over the over the deep stuff. The, but the deep stuff is just there. You know, there's no escaping it. It's just there. And in fact, the, the 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 less time you actually sit in the darkness is actually really helpful. Just to keep moving and keep pushing the story forward, yeah. we find that pace and energy and forward momentum is actually really helpful in this type of work, um, rather than sit and 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 wallow in it. Right. Um, playing against the pain is actually more exciting for both the actors and the audience than it is to sit in the somber place yeah and they're and these are these are mature mm-hmm. uh, artists who understand that they need to go there they're right. all going there so to speak and we have moments of darkness where they have to go there, yeah and it's yeah. beautiful when we and heartbreaking and haunting and disturbing when they actually go there yeah when the when there are yeah, when when that space is created in the in the story in the script, but I mean the rest of the time, that is with them. You know that that darkness that complexity is with everybody the whole time because they're just they're they're mature artists. They they know that that's they're playing through. You know it's all in, it's three dimensional, but as I said, there's just a lot of artistic work to do. So you know there's. there's always a list of technical points totally you just you want to make you want to make it a good piece of theater that's that's really what travis and i are all about you know and and it's uh, we just want to make an an amazing piece of theater that is is enlivening let's put it that way to an audience yeah and is honest and is truthful and is compelling and reflects the stories that we heard and we're not journalists, even though we do work that is based on real events. We're not interested in just reporting the facts. We're interested in unpacking the truth and the multiple truths of the story. Uh, and it, and that darkness is there. It's like a shadow. It casts itself over everything. And in order to craft a compelling piece of art, we've got to find the joy. Um, I love that Nietzsche quote of the, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And, and that's really sort of the ethos of, of, of the piece that we're creating. Well, I can't wait to see it. I hope you I do. Am, I, I will, of course. Yes, I'm, I am absolutely, completely intrigued. Um, I'm, I, I, like I said before, I just, you know, I got mad respect for you for doing this. Um, so, well... On your program is your ticket. I also like to talk to our artists about their feelings about theater overall and in general. Great, so let's chat. Are you, are you uh, willing to indulge me a little bit in that? Absolutely. Okay, all righty. Um, are there any particular messages and themes that speak strongly to you in the projects you select to write, direct, produce, compose? I love honest works. I love challenging works. I love smart works. I love theater pieces that aren't afraid to go faster than I can think. Um, And that really uh, don't talk down to an audience. That's what I love about theater. Okay. Yeah. The stuff that I'm attracted to, like as a, as, as a consumer and as a creator are, um, 
Yeah, I'm a. I I love smart and interesting text. I'm a. I I really appreciate great writing, and for me, text in this day and age of theater, text is just one part of the equation. Um, I like theater that is um, theatrical. Let's put it that way. That that it's not just. Um, if it if it could have been on TV, I'm not interested in seeing it. I I I want to use the um, the live immediacy and the theatricality and the um, if something is too linear, it's you know I don't really have time for it. There's too much interesting groundbreaking stuff going on that uses music, um, movement, uh, you know scenic elements dance light skips in time all over the stage all over the theater let's go outside for a scene let's you know there's just theater's wide open right now so i like to see things that take all of those elements and judge them as equal parts so when so theater that's created that says you know what there's a play that's been written but that's only like one fifth of the story now we're gonna now we're now we as an ensemble are going to create the play now, harking back to Turkey Lurkey time. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah it all goes back. It always goes all back. And does, exactly. <laughs> to Turkey Lurkey. Now, it's, do, do you both have, like, a guilty pleasure? Oh. Because oh. I'll, I'll, I'll start. Yeah. I love Legally Blonde. I can watch Legally Blonde, the oh, musical. The musical? Oh, wow. I just saw mm-hmm. it for the first time. Over and over again. It's, it's, I love it. And, and Waitress. I mean, I... Mm-hmm. I, I have actually the theater tastes of probably a twelve-year-old girl, but that's just me. No, that's great. And I mean, who doesn't love a big, um, uh, bold Broadway musical? I mean, of course, yeah, I love to in, in, in indulge in that. Oh yeah, and you mentioned she loves me, and I'll never forget. Although I forget, where, I'll never forget the production about I don't know at the roundabout like fifteen years ago of she loves me. It was amazing. It was just, it was everything that... Um, and they just redid it. They redid yeah. it. That very production? I think it was pretty close to it. Um, I didn't see it 15 years ago, but I saw the most current pretty at Studio 54 mm-hmm. with okay. uh, Laura Benanti. It was really, really good. And I just, if I may cut, if I may like fangirl a little bit, yeah, because I fangirl big time. But my friend um, Ellen Margulies, who's she's a theater buddy of mine, invited me to see uh, to one of the Seth speaks, you know, the Seth Rudetsky shows that he mm-hmm. tapes. Mm-hmm. Sheldon Harnick was there. Oh my wow. gosh! You know, the composer from yeah. She Loves Me. Mm-hmm. He was one of the most charming. Oh, nice. I mean. Bow tie, dressed oh, up, charmed everybody. Yeah. No, there's so. nothing like the the great the great musicals. I mm-hmm. mean, Guys and Dolls, mm-hmm. Pajama Game. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, God, don't don't get me started. I'm a big fan. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. And you know, South Pacific, the whole deal. But but from a new sensibility. Not not let's throw let's let's stage it in a garbage truck. No, let's do it the way it was done, but let's do it with the real immediacy and the and the aliveness that theater is bringing to to the old uh, traditional stuff now. That's exciting. Bring some new guard to the old guard. Right on. <laughs> there you go. Okay, cool. Uh, on that note, what do you think is an important direction theater is taking right now? 
think the fact that we're seeing more serious... I mean, it, it's a nice balance. The fact that we're seeing more serious theater on Broadway. I mean, it's great to have those uh, brassy musicals. We, we need that. But it's kind of amazing that we're getting shows like Fun Home and The Band's Visit to... To I think we need to be grounded a little bit as human beings. We, we're really hungry for works that tell us a story uh, that's perhaps a little bit dark and perhaps a little bit more complicated uh, on a Broadway stage. And the fact that, that those, those shows can survive uh, alongside those other more uh, traditional shows or commercial shows. That's what I'm excited uh, about. And the fact that isn't they they don't they have good healthy runs. The fact that there is an audience. Yeah, for that's them. encouraging. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Yeah, indeed. So, well, I'm as I'm, I'm it it pains me that that uh, that people think we need to. Make and and this is disclaimer. I haven't seen any of them, so there's probably some great work being done. But making the musical version of a movie seems to be happening a lot, and taking a person's work. Although I'm dying to see the Bruce Springsteen show, taking a person's work and making a show out of it. And I love Carol King, you know. So I mean, there's exceptions to all of this, but th- there are new original things being written, and and. I wish we didn't, uh, on a commercial level, ha- have to rehash so much because um, there's new stories being told. And that doesn't mean that, that tried-and-true material like a whole bunch of Billy Joel songs or a whole bunch of Queen songs or whatever don't deserve to be on Broadway. They do. But let's let's sort of think outside the box of how to do all that, I, I guess, is part of it. So that's the negative side. The other side is what I was saying before. Let's just see remounts of all the great musicals. I would much rather have, have you know, Oklahoma again, South Pacific again, and Guys and Dolls again, you know, than, you know, feeling like we need to make a musical of a movie that should have just been a movie um yeah and then on the sort of small besides legally blonde besides legally blonde (laughs) you're right and i saw that um and i saw an amateur production in like two hours outside of london that was so incredible a couple months ago so there you go it was amazing, actually. <laughs> you don't have to pretend to like it. I loved just it. Be, just because I'm sitting here and, and <laughs> pouring my heart out to you. No, it, it actually has a really good narrative. It totally uh, does, uh, and line. and it's a great and it's a great role for a, a for a, for a broad and for several actually. Yeah, no, it's that's a that's a good one. Um, yeah, but on the sort of program is your ticket side of things, I guess I would just say that I'm really happy that there's nothing that people aren't trying right now. You know, there's no... It seems like theater is so wide open in terms of form and content and styles of execution and everything else. And and as we evolve in that direction of anything goes, if I may, um, <laughs> the, that, that the virtuosity keeps um, rising, that, the, that, that we don't lose the sort of rigor... Um, the the craftsmanship and rigor around all of that, and I think that's happening. You know, when performance art was in the early days, uh, you know, eighties, nineties, and stuff of what you were seeing around town, it was just you know 
new and wonderful, but now people are going, okay, I want, we need to, we need to execute with, with precision and artistry and, and all of that. So I feel like we're going in that direction, which I'm really excited about as well. Terrific answers. Um, and I feel like I should ring a bell because you were the first person on my show to actually say the title of my show, which <laughs> I, I love that. I feel like it should be like, ding, 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 ding. No, 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 no. The, the, what most people answer with that question, because I ask all my interviews mm. that, is, is that there needs to be a balance. There needs to be the, the fun theater and there needs to be, uh, well, I'm, I'm just speaking very broadly, the fun theater, the big musicals, the, you know, the ones that make us happy. And then there needs to be some experimentation and there needs to be some risk. Um, and it's really nice when they both meet. Mm. Rare, but it's mm-hmm. it, it is nice when that occurs. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, what do you think is the best part of being involved with smaller productions? I love it because you get to um, really intimately work with uh, a group of people and you get to um, have true collaboration where you're creating this entity together and the silos break down a lot more when it's on a, on a smaller scale and it's a smaller group of people. Explain that phrase to me. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've never heard that. Well, instead of being, well, let's use the example with uh, Priscilla and myself. Uh, Priscilla uh, isn't bashful about giving me comments about the structure of a scene or the structure of a monologue or whether a, a character belongs in the show. And likewise, all, all uh, and Priscilla, Priscilla has been so generous about uh, sharing with me earlier drafts of songs. And um, I, I would, as, an, as a listener, provide feedback to her about where I was most engaged in, in a song. And both the script and the music have uh, evolved together in tandem. And, and, and I think that's created a stronger piece. So it's instead of the script being its own entity in its own little silo and the music being in its own little silo, they actually live together. And... Uh, it's actually really exciting that this, the character in the show can go from spoken text right into song, and it's a natural extension rather than mm-hmm. having a, a, a break between speech and music. Yeah, and also the, sometimes with smaller things that don't fall under the sort of rules of, well, you know, because you're just having to do them whenever you can and stuff. Sometimes you have an, a, a longer process. We have had the luxury, well, not the luxury, we've we've had, it's been a necessity of a, of a good long development process with this. Um, but with with other other works that I've done that are, that are a lot more kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, no budget experimental works with, colleagues that I just love and you know know and we work together and we 
you know, we, um, there's the camaraderie and there's the collaboration and there's the like, you know what, let's, let's work on this part of the play. And now, now let's like shoot a bunch of weird little videos that we think might go in this other part of the play. And it's not on this, you know, commercial budget, budget, um, uh, sort of like a track. driven. Yeah. Yeah. That is, so the pressure of, of all of all of that stuff is a great pressure to be under. It's great to, you know, be sort of in that kind of part of, of, of the, of the theater world. But when you're working in sort of smaller kind of from the ground up situations, there's a lot of wonderful things that really happen. Um, where the, where the development process is super organic and where you can really do truly devised work. The, I mean, people tell me, oh, it's a devised play. Yeah, we work together for three weeks, four weeks. It's like, that's, you know, you, you just don't, it's not, eh, that's apples and oranges, you know. So you need, you need that time and you need that camaraderie and you need that, okay, we have zero budget, but we want to do this, you know. And, and that's to me what, you know, most theater people have in common. It's just like, you know, most, most, not all, but most odds are against you, you know? So you're just like, we're not into this for the, you know? So it's, it's that team spirit. It's just, it's, it's really there in small stuff. And you know that you have to collaborate with your, with your, uh, with your team. And, and I like that's to, the fun part. Yeah. I like to keep my rooms very small. Uh, the number of people sitting around the table, very small. Mm. Because you can have a deeper, richer, more complicated conversation. And that people, I try to find people uh, to put around that table who aren't territorial, who aren't bashful about sharing their perspectives and their insights about different elements of the production. And from the audience's perspective, you see that. You see when the team, both on stage and off, if they're working together or not. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. It's like you to have one voice, you have to really have all the voices mm-hmm. to to wind up with with a unified. Wait, say that one more okay, time. Okay, let me like let me this like, is great. work that right <laughs> up. I'm gonna I'll have a quote here in a minute. Um, yeah, that that if if you want a unified you know signal, let's say it's like like a radio signal. If your play is if you want it to be a a unified and clear signal. Um, dramaturgically, artistically, aesthetically, on every level, um, you need in the process for every person to be fully themselves, you know, and, and not saying, oh, well, you're the director, you know better, or you're the playwright, I'm not going to say that thing I kind of want to say, or whatever. So if every, every department, let's say, is not ego invested in don't tell me what to do. You know, if everyone is like not precious and can say, sure, you know, Travis is like, I'm not a music person, but you know, I was like, it doesn't matter what I want to know what we all feel this play needs. What serves the play is the phrase that a lot of people use. And that's really what you got to do. You got to serve the play. You don't serve. Oh, but I really like this song that I made. We've got to find a place in the play for it. You know, it's just like, no, that just doesn't work. But so you have to not be precious and you have to be fully yourself and fully able to get behind your convictions along the way and receive feedback along the way is just extremely important so that you can have that unified unified vision in the end the play has to have the ego 
not yeah, the right. That's exactly. so true. Exactly. Well, put. To have, thank you. To yeah. have one voice, you have to have all the voices. I wrote it down. Oh, good. I love that. That's that's terrific. Priscilla Holbrook. Right. <laughs> Copyright 2000. Right. Yeah. Oh, maybe there's some money. Let's <laughs> go register that as a trademark. No, that's that's, that's, that's terrific. Um, now, before I ask you if there's anything else that you're working on, because you know you have all this time with you know putting up your show next <laughs> month. Exactly. Um, and to give your social media information, do you want to do a speed round with me? Sure. Okay. All righty. Tipped you off a little bit in in your script outline here. So, are you ready? Okay. Okay. What's your favorite play? I love Angels in America. Oh my gosh! It will be a class. It is a classic. Coming back. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, Did you see it at the National Theater live? No. I'm waiting to see it actually live. Do, do you like that? Do you like? I know we're we're slowing down the speed round. We're, we're, yeah, yeah. We're and, and also you're buying. Yeah. You're really buying <laughs> stuff because I, I didn't prepare. Oh, um, no. There's just too many. It's hard for me. I'm always bad at what's your favorite, what's the best. But I'm gonna say, um, I'm gonna say. Macbeth. Oh wow! Um, Guys and Dolls. Um, no, whoa, whoa. That's, yeah. that's, that's oh, sorry, because that's the next one. Yes. Yeah. So Macbeth. Okay. Okay. Favorite musical? <gasps> cabaret. I love cabaret. I can't. Well, you mentioned Guys and Dolls. Yeah, well, I love Guys and Dolls. Okay. Right. Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls. Okay, cool. Favorite writer? Playwright, you mean, or preferably playwright, or okay. some some in the theater, or it could be an entertainment. Okay. Um, okay. Or a novelist, if you want. If well, I'm reading Zadie Smith right now, so I'm just crazy about her. I hope, yeah, anyway. She writes characters like playwrights should, so. <laughs> I'm so going yeah. to go with Thornton Wilder. Okay. Mm. Classic. And again, classic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our town. And don't you have a quote on your website? Yes, yeah, yeah, this, this play definitely is grounded in the tradition of Wilder's aesthetic. I wish to record a village's life on the stage with realism and generality. That's on on their website, you guys. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Mm-hmm. That's our response. Okay, so are you going to go with Zadie Smith? Or well, you are you going to... If you think of something within the next two questions... Okay, thank you. you. Know, okay, there you thank go. you. Uh, director? Favorite director? Um, if we stick with theater, I'm really intrigued with David Cromer's work. <sighs> And a nice guy, too. Did you see his Our Town? Speaking of Our Town? Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Thrilling. My husband, David, would not stop talking about it for ever. And the band's visit is amazing. Okay, now I'm going to buy you some time. Okay. He, that man has the ability to, like, take a giant scene and pick, like, 10 to 15 decisions and highlight them and make it work. Uh-huh. Mad respect for David Cromer. And mm-hmm. we met him after Our Town. He was really super nice, too. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm. Uh, I I love what I've seen of Evo Van Hove's work. Yeah. I'm sorry, whose work? Evo Van Hove's. Am I saying his name right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Cries yeah. and Whispers, yeah. mm-hmm. and oh my God, a lot of wonderful things I've seen. And his videographer Tali Arden is amazing. So yeah. Anyway. Excellent. Yeah. Now, do either of you have a mentor? In the theater. Hmm. It could just be a regular. Sure. Moises Kaufman has been a tremendous influence. Ruby? Um, too many to mention. Too many to mention. I'm, you know, I come up through uh, as a performer, so I've had some wonderful acting teachers and um, and music teachers along the way. Mm. Yeah. 
Travis is my mentor right now. <laughs> <laughs> if only that were true. Oh, I know. <laughs> that was the right answer, right? <laughs> okay, is there anything new that uh, either of you or both of you are working on above and beyond America's Hard to See that you want to talk about? Really, the, the, this is the, the main entree for right now, but um, the Life Jacket has uh, a new show actually currently in development. We're excited to announce uh, in the next few months. But you can't talk about it, right? We can't talk about it. That happens all the time yeah. on the show. Don't worry. Don't feel bad about that. There's a lot of, or people will talk about it, and then they'll hear the first take of the show. And they'll be like, ah, you need to take that out. We haven't announced it yet. So Uh-oh. I completely respect and honor that. Well, I have a music project that is all, always on the go with... Um, with my collaborator Britt Hill, uh, we we did a an album called uh, Growing Wild, and under the name Susan Jane, that was our band name. Uh, we're working on a new project right now that is in development under a new name, uh, forthcoming next year. Um, so that's just straight up music. Um, and then I have a. my my ladies that I do my crazy no budget experimental music theater stuff with and that's been on hold for a long time and again that's sort of when and as we have time and stuff so we're doing a play called the turtle pond was a fail by Kara Skarmack and she's my chief collaborator in that in that world and that'll be in the next year or two so yeah wow <sighs> you're busy well <laughs> you're you're both and you're both creatively busy and that's like that's it's so incredible. It's so cool. Well, this um, is definitely the main dish right now. Right. And well, we're really yes. well when you're opening what next yeah, month? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we're just super excited about this moment in the, in the process because there have been so many along the way, and now we get to do what you what you want to do: go into rehearsals and do the play. You know? oh, so we're really excited. It becomes surreal, doesn't it? I've often told David when we're doing at the Flash, I'm like, "There's a play in here somewhere." You know what I mean? It's like you spend so much time rehearsing and marketing and producing the play. It's like eventually there's an hour and a half show that we're, we're going to do here. So, um, okay. Now give our audiences all of your social media information, or if you have like one, uh, website or page that you can send everybody to that connects with everything else, that's actually sure. good as well. Yeah, you can um, find out more about the company and uh, America's Hard to See at lifejackettheater.org. And theater is spelled with an R-E. Thank you. And mm. you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at lifejacketnyc. Excellent. Anything else? I think that's it. Do you have a, uh, a website or social media for your band? Um, no. No? <laughs> but if you go on... But we're on Spotify. Yeah. 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 Susan yeah. Jane is the name. Yeah, the, Susan Jane is the band name, and Growing Wild is, is our album. It's a good album. Thank you. It's really good. Excellent. I can't wait to listen to it. Cool. Groovy. Well, you two have been wonderful. Uh-huh. What a great interview. Uh, thanks for a great Thank conversation. Oh, wow. It's my pleasure entirely. And um, I'm very, very intrigued by America. It's hard to see. And I'm really excited to be able to be seeing it myself. Um, so uh, thank you again for being on your program as your ticket. Thank you. You're amazing. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure as well. Uh, at the end of each show, I like to give shout outs to current productions worth a recommendation. On tonight's episode, I'm actually going to recommend a Broadway play and I have a reason for doing this. 
It's Manhattan Theater Club's current production of The Children, written by Lucy Kirkwood and directed by James McDonald. And it's now playing in New York City at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. I really love that theater. It's so spacious. I love it. Here's a little description uh, of the current production taken from Manhattan Theater Club's website. Direct from an acclaimed run in London, the powerful Royal Court Theater production of Lucy Kirkwood's astonishing new play is making its uh, American debut at MTC with the heralded original cast. In a remote cottage on the lonely British coast, a couple of retired nuclear engineers are living a very quiet life. Outside, the world is in utter chaos following a devastating series of events. When an old friend turns up at their door, they're shocked to discover the real reason for her visit. Now, I don't want to give too much away because the plot continually surprises, and I thought that that was really cool. It's just it's it's a great show, and I'm not going to talk too much more about the plot. Uh, the actors, again, the original London cast are all amazingly raw yet confident. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I love when. I, I want my actors on stage to be confident even when they're supposed to be vulnerable. It makes me feel more comfortable watching this show. Um, the, the direction subtly lines up to the themes of the piece in a way that really snuck up on me. I was thinking about the show and the way that the director directed it, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's, it's, it's lining up with the narrative of the show. Writing is masterful, uh, especially in its narrative build, and the technical elements are outstanding. Bitchin' set. Love the set. Now, I know a lot of people will be visiting New York over the next few weeks due to the holidays with the intention of seeing theater. I also know most travelers have their show rosters planned out in advance, but if you have an open slot, like say you can't get tickets to one of your options and tickets are hard to get right now um, for everything, it feels like, or maybe have some extra time for theater, I'd highly recommend seeing this play. I always tell everybody, go, when you're out here on a trip, go see at least one play and try to make it off-Broadway if you can. This one's on Broadway, so... I'm breaking my own rule here. But anyways, um, once again, it's playing here in New York City at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. You can visit uh, Manhattan Theater Club, that's theater with an R-E, dot com for tickets and information. Uh, again, theater with an R-E. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. I'd like to thank my guest, the sensational Travis Russ and Priscilla Holbrook. Thank you again. Thank You're you. You're welcome. You guys are so cool. <laughs> um, you can find more episodes of Your Program is Your Ticket at Facebook.com. Uh, your program is your ticket. I'm on Twitter at, at Program Ticket. The website is yourprogramisyourticket.com. How much sense does that make? I'm on iTunes and SoundCloud. Rate me, write me a review, subscribe, all that stuff just raises my profile, and that's wonderful when that happens. Uh, so there you go. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's a lot of great theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and Kurt. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.